this is Des. Welcome to my podcast, According to Des, where I interview people with passions, hobbies, or side hustles, trying to live their best lives by following their dreams and pursuing their goals. Get ready to be inspired. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Juniper Waller. I'm so excited to talk to her because she is a vocal empowerment coach and breathwork guide, and I think that's really, really awesome. I'm so excited to learn more. I've heard about breathwork before, but I don't know that much about it, and I've never done it before or anything like that, so I'm so interested in learning about her journey, how she got into breathwork, and how she became a guide, and the benefits of that. Um, I've been getting more and more into meditation and things like that so I'm really excited to learn more about it and I'm excited to hear about her path and her journey how she went from going to college going into social justice work and going to herbal school and then going into breath work and she also so cool she's also in a band she started a band in 2017 which is amazing. So definitely check out Juniper on social media. She does meditation sessions on her Instagram and they're so calming and relaxing. She has such a soothing voice. Really, really nice. I love it. And check out her music. It's so cool. Her and her band, they write all their own songs. So awesome. I'm so excited to talk to her today and learn all about her and her journey and breath work and her vocal empowerment coaching. So here we go. Let's talk to Juniper. Hey everyone, I am here with Juniper and she is a vocal embodiment coach and breathwork guide. So I'm so excited to talk to you today, Juniper. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you're in California, is that right? Yep. I'm in Sacramento, California. Oh, okay. How is it going over there with the fires and everything? So I'm in Colorado and we have fires over here too. Right. Yeah, it's intense. The air is really bad where I am. Luckily, the fires are a good safe distance away from me and my loved ones. My family's down in Oakland. That's where I'm from. There's like a fire the size of Rhode Island between us. So, you know, that's intense. But yeah, it's just becoming the new normal here in California with all the other stressors of this year. It's yeah extra stressful. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel that way, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you and your family are safe. That's really good. And yeah, the air quality here was pretty bad too. I'm pretty far away from the fires, but we could still smell the smoke and the air Mm -hmm. quality was pretty bad, but it feels like over the last week, it's gotten a lot better, which is nice. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully they get them contained, but it does feel like it's just kind of the new normal, especially for California now. I saw that you've been doing meditation on your Instagram and one was like a grounding meditation because of the stressors of the fire and COVID and everything. So I thought that was really great. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. That's my big thing right now and always is acceptance and a version of self-care that is really acceptance-based because for a long time I felt like a lot of the practitioners that I was going to back when I was younger in New York City, which is where I lived for a long time, it was like they were asking me to kind of leave my troubles at the door and just come in and decompress. And I always had a lot of trouble with that. I've, I've really struggled with anxiety in my life and I want my practitioners and my guides and the people that I'm calling on to help me with my own self-care to be more accepting of the realities of our situation. And I think like in a year like this year, that's more important than ever. It's really impossible to forget how much scary stuff is going on. 
but we still have to reset our nervous system. We still have to give our bodies a chance to decompress, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to do that in a place that's also accepting of the realities of our present day. So that's something I think a lot about. So true. And just the way our society is now too, that everybody I feel like is just in a constant state of stress. Yeah. Take me back a little bit. So you're a vocal embodiment coach, you're a breathwork guide, but you're also a singer and songwriter. But I want to talk about how you got to this point. So when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? What what were you thinking? (laughs) It was such a winding path. What was I thinking? So both of my parents are musicians and there are so many singer songwriters in my family. I can trace back to the 1800s in Ukraine, women who were singers in my family. So that's sort of the family trade for me. So I always wanted to be a musician in some sense. Um, I always wrote songs from when I was little and sang. I loved performing. But I I had a lot of other interests too. I was that kid who was like, I'm going to be the first woman president. I'm going to be a fireman, you know, just like (laughs) everything. Yeah. And I'm still like that, right? I still wish that I could do everything and have a hundred different lives. But I've had a lot of different lives and worn a lot of hats already. So yeah, when I was little, I loved to write. I was really creative and I identified as an artist from a very young age. I went to Sarah Lawrence College in New York, which doesn't have majors. So that worked well for me because I got Mm -hmm. to dabble. Yeah, that's (laughs) great. Didn't work so well in the, you know, career path of my 20s, but it's all okay now. (laughs) Graduating in the recession of 2009, like, with no degree except a liberal (laughs) arts degree was not the best. Yeah, you must have felt um, super secure. (laughs) Right? It's like, so I live in New York City now, and the Census Bureau saved me. I worked at the Census Bureau for, like, the first, because it was 2009, so in preparation for the 2010 census. That was my oh, first wow. job out of college. In college, I went to college to write poetry. Pretty early on, I took a class called Women in the Black Revolt that really politicized me, really opened my eyes. And I'd always been like a kid that cared a lot about what was going on in the world. I'm very empathic, so I always felt the energy of adults. And that class really opened my eyes to a lot of things in our country and in the world and I continued kind of taking history and politics and sociology and different stuff college and so when I graduated I got involved with political activism in New York City and I dabbled in a lot of different realms I did housing rights stuff and anti-war work and anti-racism work and then I became a legal worker so I was a paralegal at a civil rights law firm really challenging work. We were mostly representing people and families of people who had been targeted by the NYPD and either shot and killed or stop and frisked and beat up. That was really heavy work and very educational. That was what really turned me into an abolitionist way back in (laughs) you know, 2010. So I I was doing a lot of political work in New York and then Occupy Wall Street came to town and I got involved with that. I really burned out. My whole body was just not having it anymore. Um, The stress 
of all the things that I was doing and you know I felt like I had the world on my shoulders and like so many people were depending on me and I really burned out. Long story short I came back to California to basically heal my nervous system and to pursue my interest in holistic health which had also been an interest from when I was a little kid. I remember the first time I did energy healing I was in seventh grade. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, I feel like I just found out about it a few years ago. <laughs> I didn't know I was doing it, but I was really interested in religion. My dad and I would go to Borders Books after dinner every Tuesday. You know, we go out for dinner and we go to Borders Books, and I just like sit in the world religion section and read about different religions. And I was studying Wicca, right? Like oh. lots of 12 year old girls were. You know, they didn't call it energy healing, but there was like a spell for healing. And so, yeah, the first time I did energy healing was in math class when I was in seventh grade. You know, and then in my 20s, I figured out that that's actually a thing and that I did it when I was young. I received a Reiki attunement when I was, I guess it was 2012. Came back to California to study herbalism, and I went to a school to learn about herbalism for like a nine-month program. And during that whole time, I was disgusted with the cultural appropriation and the kind of blind eye to systemic racism and systemic oppression and then I kind of went within your program you mean or kind of within the wellness industry in general okay yeah but that's something that a lot of people are bringing up now today the racism in the wellness industry and kind of cultural appropriation from everything from yoga to herbalism. You know, here we are on the stolen land of the native people of this region using their native plants in the way that they did it and they're not here and we're not talking about them, right? And so there were a lot of contradictions. I felt intuitively that racism and systemic inequality are a public health crisis and that we need to be talking about that when we're talking about health and healing. So then I got really disillusioned with that. My story is always just like a series of like, I did this and I got really disillusioned, so I left. (laughs) And then I did this, I got really disillusioned. So Um, yeah, angsty poet till the bitter end, but. um. I guess so, yeah. So then I went back to being a barista and I worked at a grocery store in the health and wellness section and recommended supplements to people, but. I wasn't really pursuing that. Mm -hmm. And then meanwhile, um, in herb school, I was just kind of, you know, writing songs with my guitar and feeding my artistic side privately. I started a band in 2017. Wow. I've been all over the place. (laughs) And, and, (laughs) And I started the band and started gigging with the band. And simultaneously, I started teaching voice. Kind of just as like a side thing to do in the meantime. I'd been studying voice for 10 years off and on. And what do you mean by voice exactly? Oh, singing. Oh, okay. Okay, So during that time, I was a singer in my band, and then I was a voice singing teacher or vocal coach, right? What is your band called? My band is called The Gold Souls. Oh, I love that. Thanks. So we play original funk soul blues. And until coronavirus, we were, you know, we were pretty busy. But mm-hmm. Have you done any virtual concerts or anything like that? We sure have. Yeah, we've done a lot of them, actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Usually we do it on Facebook Live. Oh, 
my gosh, on I our page. That out. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's nothing like a live show, but it's better than nothing for sure. Absolutely. You know? yeah. We can interact with people on the chat. We take requests and. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like that. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of musicians have been doing online concerts and just how resilient bands are being that they're like, hey, we're going to throw on a concert and I know some are taking donations and whatnot. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really nice. I, I think it's a really nice idea. Obviously not as great as in person, but that's really flexible. <laughs> yes, it's definitely better than nothing. And, and we play in our masks, by the way. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> wow. That's thing tough. With my mask on. <laughs> that's tough. Wow. It's interesting. You know, it's different. And do you write all the songs for your band? In my band, we all are songwriters. Oh, so. you all are? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I write a good portion of them, or we co-write them together. It's a talented group. That's awesome. <laughs> and how did you get into breathwork? I came into breathwork because as a singer, I've always been very interested in breathing, right? Mm -hmm. How our breathing affects our body and how we can breathe intentionally. And singers, there's like theories, so many theories among singers about the best way to breathe. Oh, and nice. every voice teacher has like their particular breathing strategy. And it's, it's up for debate. What I've found recently is breathing is kind of a contentious issue in general. There's not a whole lot of research on the effects of different kinds of breathing in the body. I got really interested in breathing when I started teaching singing because I'd learned all these different ways of breathing and then I kind of formulated my own philosophy about the best way to breathe based on what I did and what my students were doing. I started having students, and this is the vocal embodiment coaching is also connected, without my prompting, telling me about a traumatizing experience with their voice early on in their lives. Okay? okay, so it turns out that a lot of people have something that happened to them earlier in their life where someone that they trusted or someone whose opinion they cared about said, you have an annoying voice or don't talk about that or stop singing. I had a client who was singing in the car as a little girl and got in a car accident and had the literal wind knocked out of her while she was singing. A lot of us have stuff happen early in life that can shut us down and can kind of be a limiting belief in our mind that we shouldn't share our voice with the world, that it's safer to be quiet. Especially, you know, people who are socialized as women, but all sorts of people, really. That's so true. And that's something I feel like a lot of people don't really think about either. Mm -hmm. That those comments, they do really build up. And I feel like especially for singers, mm -hmm. because that's your power is your voice. And to right. be told not to sing or your voice is bad or right. be quiet or your voice is annoying. That would affect someone a lot. So it started with my students who were singers, but now I have clients who are not singers and aren't even really interested in singing, but who just want to get in touch with their voice in general. Wow. Because our voices, it's all of our power, right? Mm -hmm. And for singers, it's more obvious. For everyone, your voice is a big part of your power. One of the sayings that I like to riff on is, speak truth to power, right? Mm -hmm. How are we supposed to stand up for ourselves or for others if we don't even know how to free our voice, mm -hmm. right? If we don't even know how to share our message. That's where things started to overlap, where 
being a singing teacher began to overlap with my work as a healer, as a guide. And so breathwork was the missing piece. Wow. And so it kind of connected all the dots. It really did. I started doing breathwork and I was like, wow, personally, this is the modality that I've been missing because I was ready to shift my energy. I was ready to feel my feelings. Breathwork is very heart opening. It's very voice opening. It gets you out of your head and into your body and into your emotions. And that's mm -hmm. why it's so effective, right? Even for people who hate meditation and don't know how to meditate, like breathwork is kind of the workaround. It'll get you out of your thoughts and get you into like what's really going on inside. When I found breathwork, I was like, oh my God, this is the thing that I've been missing the next piece of my healing journey. And also the first time I did breath work, I was like, I need to offer this wow. to, to my students at least, right? Because it gets you into this place where you can get out of your own way, even if just for a little while. That's why it's become such a big part of my work, especially now this year, I've really pivoted to offering a lot more of the energy healing side of things because there's so much more stress and so much more urgency for people to really get out of their own way and say what needs to be said. I've never done breath work before, but I've heard that it's extremely mm -hmm. powerful and emotional and intense. I've heard just stories mm -hmm. of people that have done it the first time and have cried and unleashed mm -hmm. just a river. <laughs> yes. But then were they okay? After yes. that? Yes. Yeah. From what I've heard, I mean, I've heard people kept going back to it from the stories I've heard of people who have tried it, people I know that have tried it. They said yeah. it's super emotional, but they loved it and kept going back. Right. Yes. That's a really common experience is wow. a river of emotion. And it's not just sadness, right? It's like people release anger. People feel pleasure in ways that they haven't been able to access. Um, it's everything. And I do think that's something that gets underrepresented about breathwork. It's like, oh, you'll just cry so much. It's like, you will cry, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is a direct route to releasing energy in the body. That's why a lot of people cry because they just got a lot of stuff that needs to go. Oh, it yeah. needs to shift and move. The thing is, it's so clearing. So it's not like one of those crying fits where afterwards you're just like, am I ever going to be okay? Like, it's not that kind of thing. Yes, you cry, but it's super cleansing. I think a lot of people feel a lot more open and a lot clearer and a lot more directed afterwards. Like, oh, wow. wow. I didn't realize I was holding all that. Mm -hmm. Right? People feel lighter. I always hear that is that people feel lighter after their wow. first breathwork session. Mm -hmm. And how does a breathwork session go? It's a little mysterious, and there's a few reasons for that. One thing that's mysterious about it is the word breathwork can be applied to literally anything you're doing with your breath, right? Okay. And so when I say breathwork, I'm talking about a particular breathing technique that is a three-part breath. Everything happens through the mouth, oh. a breath into the belly, a breath into the chest, and an exhale, and it's all through the mouth. Oh. Which is not how we breathe normally. A normal healthy breath is in through the nose. For this particular breath work, we do it all through the mouth. Part of that is that a lot of people think that a, a mouth breath is a more heart-opening breath. Okay. Um, so that gets more into the energetics of it. The way a breath work session works is usually we start with a grounding meditation. I explain how it's done. It's done lying down flat, so with nothing under your head. 
a lot of the time I'll prompt people to have a blanket and maybe crystals or candles or anything that like gets you in the zone, right? Mm-hmm. For your healing process or sets aside the space and time as a healing space. Then we go into the active breathing, which we do the active breathing for around 25 minutes and we do it to a playlist. So that's a really fun part of it for me is I get to choose the music and kind of the journey through the music. After about 25 minutes, sometimes more, sometimes less, of active breath, then we go into a resting period, which is like a release, a meditation, and sometimes we'll do some visualization. And that's it. It's a reset. It's really very much like resetting your body, your nervous system, And so I always recommend that people do some journaling or or a creative practice, you know, a low-pressure creative practice. Take a bath or just drink some tea and chill out afterwards and for the next few days and lots of water, especially if you cried, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw that you offer group breathwork sessions. Mm -hmm. Do you have your beginner first-timers in there too or do you do those separate? I do have beginner first-timers in my group. I always explain the process every group. So my only group offering at this moment is called Breathwork for Collective Liberation, and it's the second Saturday of every month. And so we do it on Zoom. Often there's a lot of first-timers at that one. Okay, It's a great first-timer one. There isn't really like an advanced breathwork thing. Maybe some people do that. I would argue that that's not necessary. Everybody has their own journey, and I'm just guiding it. It's really a self-care practice, so there's no need to have an advanced version. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow, very cool. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Mm -hmm. When you were growing up and going to school and everything, and you were into all these different things, you know, the herbal healing and the singing, and did you ever face any sort of like comments or judgments from people that you went on this kind of winding, unconventional path? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like so much of it has been me caring what other people think, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. who cares, right? Yeah. But, yes, I've definitely gotten criticism and felt criticism from people who knows how much of it's real and how much of it's perceived yeah like who from who because you said your family's all musicians so I I would assume it wouldn't have came from them or did it my parents are so sweet they're so supportive they just believe in me like so blindly and so (laughs) I've been very very fortunate in that way they're just like oh now you're doing that okay cool I'm sure it's gonna be great whatever it is that's amazing it is. It's really amazing. I think um, definitely from my peers, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of raised eyebrows and side eyes about, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. Now I'm doing this, right? Oh. Like after, when I'm catching up with a with an okay. old friend. From each community that I'm a part of, there's, especially in music, it's like, you got to pay your dues. In every profession, you know, like in the music community or yeah. in the health community or activist community like but I'd say in every profession you know there's a certain amount of dues paying that's expected and so I think that that's the hardest part about being someone who takes a winding path and has multiple interests that kind of all intersect I mean I'm 33 right now and this is the first year of my life where I felt like I'm harmoniously blending my interests in a way that's 
both satisfying and sustainable to me. Every moment of my life up to this year, for whatever reason, I've always felt like I have to put at least one of the things aside. Why did I spend 10 years as an activist if I'm just going to be a singer? And so I'd say the main criticism comes from myself, for sure. And of course, there's a lot of society that's been imposed on me that's Mm -hmm. putting those criticisms in my head, right? It's not like I just made all that up. But I do think that I'm the number one person who stood in my way as far as it being okay to have gone down such a winding path. That's just my journey. That's just the direction that my journey is taking. But, you know, it really makes me so sympathetic to other people who kind of don't know why they're here. Mm -hmm. I've always felt really purposeful, even though it was so hard to explain how that could be, that I'm just all over the place. That's something about our society that's dying off, is the need to, like, be in a pigeonhole and be really linear and know what you're doing and know where you're going and some people will always be that way and that's great for them. I think that kind of the shaming of not being that way is ready to go. I agree though. I think that, I don't know if it's just because of, like you said, the community I'm in with all these different like people like you, like creatives. These are people I follow on social media and that I'm friends with, people kind of that either have a full-time job, but they're doing all this amazing kind of stuff on the side also, or these people Mm -hmm. that just took a winding path. I don't know if it's because I'm just in that kind of community and know a lot of people in that kind of community, or if it Mm -hmm. really is dying off because I just see that kind of path of going to school, then graduating, then getting married, then having kids and having a full-time career. It's that linear path isn't as popular anymore, I don't think. It's also less guaranteed. It used to be that if you just kind of followed the rules, you'd have your 2.5 kids in a house and your job and your retirement, etc. And I think that that illusion has been shattered. Why do it then? Exactly. I really thought when I was a kid, like, I'm going to turn 18 and I'm going to have my full-time job and buy a house. And I just bought a house when I was 32. And I'm like, what? What Congratulations. Thank you. I'm like, what? What happened? It was supposed to be when I was 18. What, you know, I just think we're kind of fed this idea of what our life's going to be like. And we get to that point and we're like, what, where, where's the house? Where's the car? Where's the kids? Where's the (laughs) marriage? I don't, what's going on? I think people realize like we've been kind of fed a lie since we were born. (laughs) Yeah. For those of us who kind of never wanted that, we're the ones who are kind of leading the way of we don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. But then yeah, I think more and more people all the time are seeing that there are other routes to happiness. There are other routes to success. There are other routes to a family, other versions of that. I think that's really good. Also, you were talking about, so I'm a really big fan of The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Um, It's my next book I'm starting. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's on my nightstand because I'm almost done with a book and that is next. (laughs) You're going to love it. You got to do it though. You got to do all the prompts. Mm. You got to do what she says. You got to just put yourself in Julia's hands for 12 weeks. Okay. I I have to. Um, Because it is such an amazing process. And I don't know if I believed this before I, the first time I did it last year, but 
Um, now I am such a believer in her. Oh wait, no, I did it two two years ago. I did half of it, and then I wow. fell off, and then I did the whole thing last year. But I've heard that's uh, common though, starting it and then going back. And but I super it. recommend going all the way the first yeah. time. I really agree with her that everybody is creative mm-hmm. and that everybody's an artist. I think that this is part of that story that we all believe about our path in life. I think part of that story is we put aside childish things, we put aside our creativity, right? And we give that up in service of this more important thing, right? The career, the family, et cetera. So I think that we really are missing something in our lives, no matter who we are, when we put aside the idea that I could spend the afternoon listening to a record and doodling. That's not a legitimate use of three hours, but binging a Netflix show is. Mm-hmm. Like, why? That's <laughs> you know, so true. That's so nothing true. against binging a Netflix show. I love TV. It's a great kind of art that I love to mm-hmm. consume. But then I also some evenings just want to like, yeah, lie on the floor and doodle while I'm listening to Miles Davis or something, you know? That's so true. And that's something that I really struggle with is I'm kind of a time-oriented person. Even as a kid, I was always asking what time it was. I always had a watch (laughs) on. I was always checking the time. I get really anxious when I'm late. I'm always everywhere 20 minutes early, except for work. I'm I'm late to work every day. But (laughs) everywhere else, every other appointment, I'm super early. It makes me so anxious. But if I sit there and I love coloring, I just love it. If I sit there and color, I feel like I have these messages in my head saying, you are wasting your time. Why are you doing this stupid activity when you could be doing something more productive? And that's something Mm -hmm. I really struggle with that I constantly feel like I have to be productive in one way or another, or I feel this immense guilt. Yeah. And it's really something I've been trying to work on the last few months because I've just realized it, that I'm just constantly thinking about the things I didn't do during the day and it makes me anxious at night. And right. so, yeah. And I think that really is kind of a message of our society. It's always like a contest of who's the busiest and that makes you more of a worthwhile person because you're productive and busy and right. somebody else who's just hanging out doing art or drawing is lazy and wasting their time. And oh it's really yeah. ingrained. It is. And it's sad. It's so sad. One thing that came up for me when you were saying that is that's totally the kind of thing that a person would work on in a breathwork session. Really? Yeah. And so I just wanted to flag that because if anyone's wondering, like, what kind of a thing could I work on? Well, anything. But, like, that's such a great thing to work on in a breathwork session is these beliefs that you're realizing you believe and you don't know where they came from necessarily, but they're just in you and you don't want to have them running your life anymore, right? The other thing that came up for me while you're saying that is that doer energy that you've had in you ever since you were a little kid, that is creative energy, right? Mm -hmm. That's what that is. That is your life force. All energy can be directed. All energy can be guided. 
right? And mm -hmm. so this is something that I've worked with a lot over the last few years because I'm a very anxious person. And I'm not like looking at the time all the time, but I have a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. and I'm an achiever. Every day starts at zero. I wake up in the morning and if I don't get these many things done, then I feel like a waste and the day was a waste and everything's a waste and right. And it's oh like, my gosh, that's exactly me. You're exactly describing me. One thing that's really helped me accepting discomfort, right? Yeah. Accepting that I'm going to be uncomfortable because I have all this energy, right? So a lot of my life, I'm just going to be like, oh, what's happening? What needs to, yes. you know, like, and yeah. just sitting with that and being like, cool. Like, that is cool. That is cool that I have that in me. I'm grateful that I have that in me because it's what keeps me doing cool stuff. Yes. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have done any of this cool stuff. That's so true. If I wasn't always a little unsatisfied with what I'm doing and what other people are doing and you know if I didn't have that righteous indignation about herb school or whatever right <laughs> you know and then the other side of that is acceptance and that's why meditation is so important to me right because I need to balance that or it gets really edgy right <laughs> and I don't want to be edgy I don't want to be aggressive or angry or any of that I do need to honor that I have so much energy running through me and this intense idea of right and wrong, just finding the gray area in there and just sitting with it and just being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's so hard. I know it's so hard for me, but I know it's so hard for a lot of people. We do yeah. not, people in general do not like feeling bad, do not like feeling uncomfortable do not like feeling sad, any sort of negative totally. feeling, we just resist so much. And I always say that it's okay to be sad. It's totally. okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be mad. These are normal emotions. These are just emotions everybody feels. So oh my God, yes. On that note, and I, di I didn't tell you this because it's not something that I lead with, but I'm in recovery from substance use. And that's such a big thing yeah. for, for so many artists. Yeah. And other people, <laughs> mm -hmm. everybody's creative, but for so many people, right? We have this like gnawing energy and we don't want to feel bad. And we don't want to feel it. Yeah. And so we all have different ways of kind of suppressing it and not feeling it. And for a lot of us, we turn to drinking or yeah. smoking weed or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I think kind of the new addiction that I'm actually going to be interviewing somebody soon about is technology, the wow. internet. People don't realize that, yeah, there's people that abuse substances to drown out whatever negative feeling, but what about when we feel upset? So we go on Instagram to right. feel better, to get that instant feeling of gratification. It's easier than it's easy. any of those. I yeah. mean, yeah, to put a substance in your body, you have to acquire the substance mm -hmm. and then put it in your body and then wait for it to affect you. And Instagram is instant and it's you're instant. just like, yeah, you get that yeah. hit immediately. It's always in your pocket. I am curious to know if there are people who are working like a 12 step program around addiction to social media, because it definitely yeah. has so many of the same aspects. Oh, absolutely. And I heard about this years ago. I don't know how popular it is, but I heard 
and this was years ago, so I could be wrong. I'm going to actually look it up later, but I think I heard that Japan opened up their first, the world's first treatment center for internet addiction. Oh my God. Wow. So I've heard that before. I don't know how true it is. I'm going to look it up, but I mean, it's a huge problem. So the person I'm interviewing next week, he actually, his whole thing is helping people to kind of detox from social media, to get off of social media and to kind of disconnect from technology a little bit because yeah. It's just such a problem when you feel bad in yourself and then you have these negative feelings. So you post a picture to get the likes to feel better. It's, yeah. it's not a healthy cycle and people don't realize that. I don't think. Right. <laughs> Do you think that breath work helps with your recovery? Yes, absolutely. A lot of people have used breath work in recovery from addiction. Mm. It's really common. And wow. I definitely recommend it for that. You know, and the other thing about breath work, and some people might take issue with me saying this, but it's a head change. When you do an intense breath work session, you are not the way you were when you started it. Really? Right? So you've shifted, you've shifted your energy. If you were feeling stuck before it, you're not feeling stuck after it. For so many of us in recovery from addiction, that is what we were using our thing for, right? The thing that we got addicted to. That's what we were using it for. We were using it to change the way we felt in the moment. True of technology and, and the internet as well. Even if the feeling is just boredom, the reason we're turning to that thing is because we don't want to feel like this anymore. If we were satisfied feeling like this, we wouldn't go to that. Yeah. Or it, or maybe we would go to it, but we would go to it for different reasons, right? For healthier reasons. Right. Um, for a lot of people in the recovery community, it's like, I drank when I was sad. I drank when I was happy. I drank when I was celebrating. I drank when, like, I drank when I won. I drank when I lost. I drank when I was bored. It was just like, you know, people just have something inside them where they're just not content just being. And that's why we turn to those things. So not that I'm saying that breathwork should be used in that way. Definitely not. That would be really intense. You know, <laughs> I don't really recommend people do breathwork more than like once a week. I think once oh, a week okay. is like a great amount to do a, a major breathwork oh, session. Gotcha. Okay. You can do less intense breathwork sessions more frequently. So there's a lot of wiggle room there. I'm not like saying, warning, don't do breathwork more than once a week. But you certainly wouldn't do it with the frequency with which you look at Instagram, right? Right. All that being said, I think that it shifts consciousness. I think that that's something that actually makes it a wonderful tool in wow. recovery. And do you think that shift happens after the first time somebody tries it or is it after a few times? It happens about seven minutes into the first time that really? someone tries it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's not to say that you're going to work through a lifetime of trauma or resentment or, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in one session. Absolutely not. It's not a magical cure-all and it's best when used in collaboration with other forms of other therapeutic modalities like mm -hmm. therapy, right? right? Like I think that talk therapy is a really awesome tool. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a therapist. Right. Okay. <laughs> 
I do remember that yes, now. Yes, yes. But I work with uh, kids and teens. I haven't worked with cool. teens, but yeah. And I, I agree. There's, I think, a lot of judgments from within holistic healing and as well as talk therapy or other kinds of therapy where they're kind of like, oh, don't do that thing. Like, do this thing. But I think a combination and collaboration works really well for some people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, breathwork paired with therapy is amazing paired with other energy healing paired with acupuncture like and mm-hmm. you know just do it all right yeah. whatever whatever feels like it's working for you do that thing yep, absolutely <laughs> yes do you think that people once they do a few breathwork sessions or they do the guided breathwork and learn how to do it like they are able to do it on their own or you feel like it should always be guided by someone I definitely support people doing breath work on their own. And I think that there's a lot of circumstances where it can be more potent to have someone else there guiding you who has an understanding of what you're working through and can kind of prompt you. Because like I said, it's, it's voice opening. I encourage people to make sounds during the breath work to release any sounds that come up And then also sometimes I'll prompt someone to repeat after me to say something or to yell something, right? And that's all part of the shifting the energy. So it's kind of stuff like that where the other person prompts you and is kind of there, kind of just creating the container for you. I think that can be very powerful. That being said, I've had some really amazing breathwork experiences by myself, just breathing to music. So I'd say once people know how to do the breathing, go ahead and experiment with doing it alone. It's safe thing to do and it can be really a wonderful inner journey for yourself. Wow. That sounds Mm -hmm. amazing. I'm definitely going to have to go to one of your group breathwork sessions. Yeah. Cause I've never, I've never done it before. I'm very interested. And I tried Reiki one time mm-hmm. and I loved it. And I've always mm-hmm. wanted to go back and do it again, but I haven't. And I did acupuncture one time, loved that. So nice. I dabbled in a little bit of the holistic healings and I really love them, but I just haven't gone back to do them. So I'm definitely going to have to look into that more. Yes. The group class is cool because even though it's on Zoom, you're breathing with other people. And it kind of creates this energetic circle that I love. A one-on-one session is more of an investment, but the group class is super affordable and I think actually has, you know, in a lot of ways that added benefit. And how mm-hmm. many people are usually in the group? Around 10 is the okay. sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm just doing the one group a month. So it's the second Saturday. One thing that I've done and that I'm open to is putting together a group. Going back to kind of when I started really wanting to become a healer, become a guide, and I mentioned that I felt like I had to leave my troubles at the door, you know, when I go into like a fancy yoga studio. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I also found it really hard to leave my work right, the activist work that I was doing, and to leave all these people that I had been kind of really enmeshed with, working and brainstorming with, and then to go and do my own healing. So one thing that I'm really interested in doing more of is doing breathwork sessions with groups that are already formed, right? So like 
whether it's your office and everyone in the office is going to do it at home on Zoom, you've got your space, you've got your privacy, but you're kind of all going through this experience together or, you know, activist groups or bands or <laughs> families, yeah. right? Creating a container for an already existing group of people to have a transformative experience collectively and personally, individually. I'm really interested in that. I think that that's one of the keys to creating change right now is we need to normalize self-care in our communities. Mm -hmm. And part of that is like doing self-care as community care. Whether that means that everyone in the office comes to a breathwork session or everyone in the family gets their own therapist or everyone, you know, like mm -hmm. whatever it is, um, it's got to be that no one's left behind not being given the resources and capabilities to deal with their own stuff. Yeah, that's an incredible idea. I love that. Recently, so I'm a part of this fellowship for my job. And recently we did a group activity on Zoom and a Native American woman led us all in a cacao ceremony. And yeah. we got the package in the mail ahead of time. So we got the cacao and we got the instructions and it was um, for the element of air. So we were told to light an incense, you know, that's what the instruction said. And she led us through this cacao ceremony and meditation as a group on Zoom. And it was so amazing. And I really loved it. So I, I just love that idea of doing something like that. And, you know, she did it for us, for our group, which is a fellowship for our job. So that's, I think a lot more uh, people are kind of, you know, agencies and um, corporations and stuff are getting into that idea of like, I do have to take care of my employees and make sure they're doing well and right. take care of their well-being. So I think there is definitely a big market for that. I think that that would be an amazing experience for people as a group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And then it's like the next time you get together, after you've done that, it's like you've been through something together. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Which creates like this sense of collective experience. Yeah, that's so cool. true. What that's a great really thing, cool. the cacao ceremony. I love it. Was it was great. I loved it. It was a really great experience. <laughs> yeah. Really, really cool. And then I guess, you know, now it would be everything's kind of virtual, but kind of like the idea of those kind of things being in person too. One thing that I had a question about is a lot of people kind of in these helping and healing professions feel like really icky about charging for their services because, and I feel like even like veterinarians get this a lot too, um, you know, because I rescue animals and I deal with vets a lot and they, they just get that like, well, I thought you loved animals. How are you charging me for that? And, you know, do you ever kind of feel that guilt or have had that experience of people kind of yelling at you about your prices because you're a healer, you shouldn't be charging people to like heal them? So I haven't personally, thankfully, ever been yelled at about that. I definitely am familiar with that happening. And also as a musician, it happens say it happens even more as a musician really because people think of music as a hobby right, right. and so oh, it's like just come play at my wedding you're my friend just come play at my wedding you know and it's like well right. if I had offered you that as my gift to you then sure but I didn't and I play weddings for two thousand dollars so like mm -hmm. 
what, you know, or yeah. whatever. Then that was a random number, but and just kind of this expectation that artists are always willing to share their art for free. Yes. Um, and you know, I saw I saw a meme recently that encompassed that idea so well. It was like, stop acting like art is a hobby and not a viable career path when you spend literally all of your free time consuming art. Yes, so true. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's backwards. Obviously, as an activist, there are huge conflicts with people getting paid for political work. In the healing realm as well, you know, that's part of kind of the current issues with the wellness industry. People really overcharge a lot of the time. People overcharge for stuff and folks are desperate when people have a chronic illness or really debilitating trauma. People are desperate to to get answers and to heal and there are definitely people taking advantage of that. So it's like there's kind of two sides to all of these. There's lots of sides to all of these stories. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important that health and wellness be accessible and if you look at our current healthcare system it is not we don't want to recreate that in the alternative health community i think that you know the answer that i've sort of landed on for now at least is i've got this monthly offering that's only $20 that uh, no one has turned away for lack of funds i have scholarship spots that's my thing that is so cheap or free. And you do Beyond, your free meditations on Instagram as well, I've seen. Yes. I'm starting a YouTube channel, so I want to do oh, more free. Are. Yeah, I'm working on it. Awesome. It's such a journey. Um, <laughs> all of the platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And then trying to not be on a screen all day, right? Exactly. Um, yep. Yep. But I am starting a YouTube channel, so I want to have more free offerings on there. The thing is, a lot of people have a lot of deep work to do. And in order to do that deep work, the energetic exchange is big. If I'm taking two hours to really go into your world and, like, help you move this stuff, I need to be compensated for it. You want me to be compensated for it. Believe me, right? And so I think that, yeah, it's a really complicated conversation. Um, But at the end of the day, like, People have big stuff they need to move, and the people that are helping to facilitate that need to be compensated. But I've had to do a lot of money mindset work, you know, and I'm still doing it. It's not easy, and there aren't easy answers. And when people try to say there are, I don't trust anyone who, who's like, well, you just have to shift your money mindset and just understand that you know, money's energy, and as it flows into your bank account and flows out of your bank account, you infuse it with positive energy, and that there you go, you know, and it's like, yep. <laughs> and there's something in that, right? Like, they're, they're, I'm not saying that's total hogwash. It's mostly hogwash, but there, there is, like, <laughs> there is a thread in there that when I first heard that, I was like, hmm, okay, so, right, I mean, if money's energy and it's being hoarded in the bank accounts of billionaires, like, mm-hmm. you know, we need to move the energy. We need to keep the economy flowing. Okay, I get that, you know, but it's not an easy answer. It's not a yes or no thing. It's not a good or bad thing, and um, we all just kind of need to, like, dance with that and process it in ways that feel most comfortable to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, very complicated. <laughs> it's very Money is very complicated. And I think it just gets more complicated in those kind of artistic right. communities. It's 
yeah, because there's a lot of expectations. Yeah. One money mindset quip that I do like is what's in other people's wallet is none of your business. Mm -hmm. And what's in your wallet is none of anyone else's business, right? And so I can't price myself based on like, okay, I think that they can afford this. And so I'm going to – it's like, no. You got to – Set your prices, have multiple offerings so that there's something accessible to everyone, and that's what it is. And then if someone needs an exception, that's an owner's discretion thing, Mm -hmm. right? Your strategy can't be like, I'll just take whatever people can give me. (laughs) Yeah, and that's something I experienced with my boyfriend and I. We run a cat rescue and we did it more so upstate New York. And when we moved out here, it's it quieted down for a while, but we're getting back into it. But that was something that we would go and trap stray cats that people were taking care of and people would refuse to pay us. They would be feeding these cats, these colonies of just a ton of stray cats and they'd all be having babies and then they'd have babies and they just turned in from one cat to like a hundred cats. And we would go there and we'd say, okay, we were offering our services for free. We were like, we're going to trap all the cats. Our time is free. We're going to transport it to the shelter. We're going to get it spayed and neutered. We're going to bring it back because the feral ones we would return. And it was $100 to get the cat fixed and vaccinated everything. And then the kittens, the shelter would take to socialize them, whatever, but they would ask for a donation. So we would say to people, okay, it's going to be this much. And they'd be like, well, it's not my cat. I'm not paying that. And I was like, but it's not my cat either. You you called me. <laughs> so it's that's something that's big deal in cat rescues too. I was like, I'm offering every service for free. I'm not charging mm-hmm. for anything except for the vet appointment. That's okay. it. And people would still just refuse to pay. So a lot of it came out of our pockets and that was something, it was hard, but we said, if you're not going to pay, I, I can't help you. It was a hundred dollars each time and it was just getting to be too much. So we had right. to kind of put up that boundary and it was really hard, but we did have to turn away some people but there are always more cats to, you know, we had to put in the mindset that there's always another cat that we are going to rescue with somebody who's willing to work with us financially. But it was really hard to say like, I can't help you because you can't pay for that appointment because I can't, I can't pay for it every time. I don't right. know people think cause you're doing something nice that it should be free. Right. Yeah. Which is hard. And it, it is putting up a boundary of what you're worth and what you can afford and what is in your wallet that people don't know. They just think like, oh, you're rescuing the cats. Go for it. Pay for it. You love them. <laughs> like, well, right. yeah. So it is, it's hard, you know, financially, those kind of things can get really tricky. Mm-hmm. So you went on this crazy winding path of your mm-hmm. life. You were in all these different areas and careers and shoes and everything. So what is your advice for people that are on a winding path and kind of get those judgments from people or they don't feel like they're on that traditional linear path. What advice do you have for people that are kind of struggling with the path that they're on? I feel like there's so little absolute that I can say um, about that (laughs) (laughs) because everyone's just so different, right? It's so true. The only absolute things that I can say are super corny and don't need to be said. Like, (laughs) follow your heart, you know? Be true to yourself, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I don't need to say that. Watch a Disney movie. Um, (laughs) You know, that's why cliches are widely used is because they apply to many different people. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, other things are more specific and don't apply to everyone. I think that for me... I got really set back 
by not doing those things, by not listening to my inner self, by going towards things that looked comfortable but weren't necessarily healthy. There were a lot of moments where I was like, you know what, maybe I should just have a normal life and I should just get a normal job and I should just marry this person and I should just, you know, and I, I had all these moments along the way where I kind of threw in the towel on being terminally unique and <laughs> just kind of <laughs> tried to go an easier route. That didn't work for me. That was never going to work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had to kind of give myself over to the fact that my life was going to be, for at least that period, a wild ride, an uncomfortable growth process. Now I'm really glad I did that, but there was a lot of pain for a long time where I was like, why did I have to do all this stuff? Why did I have to do all these things that felt like a waste of time or a waste of money or a waste of energy or lose relationships. And I think for me, when I was young and I moved to New York for college, I told myself I was going to New York for college and leaving California and everyone I knew and everything I knew because I was an artist and artists need life experience. And that was my 18-year-old story. By the time I was 18, I'd already given myself some life experience with, like, bad decisions, right, as a teenager. Like, I had a DUI. I didn't have a driver's license, right? Like, New York, you don't need to drive there. Um, But I was like, no, I'm going to New York to get more life experience and to kind of, like, meet different kinds of people and do new things. Now, today, I'm like, that is an upside, to going a crazy windy path if you come out the other side you've got some wild stories to tell and you've got some material right to Mm -hmm. write about and not just that but I feel like I can be of service because I've had all these experiences with my clients with the people I work with in recovery with friends and young musicians and I can understand more kinds of people because I've done more kinds of things. (laughs) Right, right. And something I love that you said too is that you realized that a lot of those kind of judgments were coming from yourself and they might have been you perceiving them as coming from other people, but that might not have been a reality. And I think that's kind of important for people and me working with clients with teens, you know, teens are very just paranoid about what other people think of them. And I just hear all day, every day, this person thinks this of me, this person thinks that of me. And I always say, well, how do you know? Did they say that? No, I could just tell. It's important for us to realize that some of what we are perceiving may not be reality. And that could just be coming from ourselves and our own insecurities. And I think that's really important and an important first step to going towards whatever path you choose. Because I think a lot of the time, what holds us back the most is ourselves. Yeah, I think that's true. And with teenagers, it's, it's hopeless. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. how their brains work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And 20-somethings also, it's you can't convince people. You give fewer and fewer, fewer and fewer, right, <laughs> as years go by. And that's just, that is one of the blessings of aging. But then also something that 
it helped for me to remember. And again, there's no carrying that for young people, but it was helpful to remember the amount of time that I spend thinking what other people think of me. Do I spend that amount of time thinking about what I think of other people? No, I don't because yeah. I'm self-obsessed and so is everyone else, right? <laughs> yeah. If I'm not spending that amount of time judging them, they're probably not spending that amount of time judging me. And then also, if I am spending time judging someone else, and this is more advanced, it's because they're doing something that bothers me, and the reason it bothers me is because of what it makes me think about myself. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I'm spending 10 minutes just, like, talking smack about someone in my band who is always late, and is super unreliable, and how can he be so unreliable? If I take two seconds and think about that, why does that make me so upset? Mm -hmm. It's because I know that I am often late, and often at times in my life have been very unreliable. Mm -hmm. And I hate that. I don't, I don't want to be that kind of person. And so when I see someone else doing that, I get really mad. Why is it so charged? Why is that anger so intense and fiery and right here? Oh, because, you know, so I think like all that stuff, it just comes down to like this, this really challenging process of getting to know ourselves and then getting to love ourselves, mm -hmm. which like is not something that can just be done with a few years of therapy or with a few sessions of breath work or any of these things, right? For me, like it's, taken a lot to even get to the place that I am with it and a lot of missteps I knew for a long time that that was the goal I knew for a long time that despite what my mind was telling me I am lovable and the goal is to learn to love myself and I sort of had my eye on that you know and I was yeah. like okay now I'm gonna do this because that's gonna like raise my self-worth now I'm gonna invest in this program you know yes I learned a lot of great stuff through all those moves but also I was transferring that on to like other people telling me right like mm -hmm. teach me how to do this thing so that I will be employable teach me how to and teach me how to love myself right that's what a lot of people are selling right now. Oh yeah. Um absolutely. So And I really I really try not to sell that. I know people will buy that, but I don't think that that's actually something that can be sold, mm -hmm. right? There's no strategy. All we can do is like use these different methods, journaling, self-reflection, be it a 12-step program, be it Reiki, breathwork, whatever people mm -hmm. are offering, like all of those are tools and they're all just tools to get us closer to ourselves, closer to to learning to accept and love ourselves. I had that as my eye on that prize for a long time and I didn't know how to get there. It's different for everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of people don't know how to get there, but I love that you are helping people do that through breath work. I think that's so important, that's so amazing. Where can people find you? Do you have a website? What's your Instagram you want people to find you on? And I'm gonna put everything in the show notes so people can find your amazing work and check out your breath work. Thank you. Yes, Instagram at Voice Body Spirit, Facebook at Voice Body Spirit. I have voicebodyspirit.com, which is still a website that I made, so it's not the most beautiful, but <laughs> um, it is where you register for Breathwork for Collective Liberation the second Saturday of every month. Yeah, that's it for now. Awesome. Working, and your YouTube is YouTube. coming. Yes, it's let me coming. know when it's up and running, and I'll okay. post it, definitely. Okay. 
Thank wow. you. Wow. Well, Juniper, this was amazing. I loved hearing about the work that you do and just breath work in general because I didn't know much about it. It sounds incredible. And I am going to hit you up to join one of your sessions. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I absolutely loved talking to Juniper. Juniper, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciated your honesty, how vulnerable you were, and just talking about your journey and the things you've gone through and your unconventional journey and your path to get to this point of being a breathwork guide and vocal empowerment coach and the things you did to get into that. I think that's really good for people to know that there are other paths out there. We don't have to just go to school and then graduate and then get a job and get married and have kids there's other options out there there's other paths and I think that it helps for people to hear about other people succeeding in these paths because sometimes it feels really out of reach and far-fetched and we're really fed this idea of you know this conventional quote-unquote lifestyle of just getting married and having a job for the rest of your life and that's it so I loved hearing about your journey and everything that you did to get to this point how determined you were to follow your passions and your dreams I'm really appreciative of you sharing that experience Juniper is going to be coming on my Facebook group. I'm so excited. She's going to lead my Facebook group in a meditation session. So I'm really excited about that. Check out my Instagram because I will post the date and time on there. We're still working out the dates and the details. So that's really cool. Definitely check out Juniper, all of her social media. It's all in the show notes. You have to check out her band. Amazing. They're so talented. They write all their own music. So check out her Instagram for her band. Check out her breathwork Instagram and her website. I'm so excited to share with you that I did go to Juniper's breathwork session, the group session that she offers the second Saturday of every month. And it was so fascinating. It was my first time. I've never done breathwork before. Before this interview with Juniper, I didn't even really know much about it. I've heard of it, but I didn't know what it entailed. It was so interesting and such a crazy experience. I felt... My whole body felt like fuzzy and I felt kind of like lightheaded. I did follow Juniper's directions afterwards and I drank tons of water and I just kind of chilled. It was a really fascinating experience and I would love to try it again. I think because I was like kind of on guard about trying something new at first. I don't think I had the full experience so I would like to try it again because I don't know I'm just a little apprehensive about trying new things and it's hard for me to get out of my own head so doing the breath work for that amount of time I kept stopping and trying to get back into it and I was having a really hard time like staying in the moment which is just typical for me I just have a hard time staying in the present moment so I would love to try that again and experience it more because it really was a cool experience and I've never breathed like that before it was really interesting and afterwards so I can't remember how many people were in this session I feel like it was I want to say eight-ish or something I could be wrong it was it was last month it was actually right after I filmed this interview with her I was really interested in trying it out and everybody just had raving reviews of it like afterwards we kind of took time to talk to each other and reflect and say what we thought and people just had the craziest experiences. One woman like literally started crying. I was like, oh my goodness. So this is really powerful for people. And I think it's something that everybody should at least try to see if it works for you. Kind of like Juniper and I were talking about in the interview is that you kind of have to do all these different things and try out for your own 
self-discovery and reflect on those things what works and what doesn't work like we said you could try journaling or meditation I said I really liked Reiki and acupuncture anything that works for you to kind of get you in the present moment out of your head out of these negative thoughts out of these intrusive thoughts and these societal pressures and just really focus on you yourself and that's it put everything else aside so that is a great time to do that and like I said Juniper is just very soothing she's very calm she's very open and honest and I felt like I could be very comfortable in that situation so I thought that was really great and it was really cool and I highly recommend you guys try that out so like I said go check her out on all of her her website all of her social medias I'm going to post them in the show notes and also on my blog so you will be able to check that all out and if you are interested in joining my Facebook group Juniper will be coming in there to do a meditation session which thank you Juniper I'm so excited about that and I'm going to be running a challenge in that group soon it's going to be overcoming your negative self-talk so I'm going to be running that very soon I'm very excited I've been working on the content for that so join my Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash according to des and that will also be in the show notes so thank you for listening thank you again juniper that was so amazing talking to you i feel like i could talk to you forever we spoke for almost an hour and a half i felt like just i could talk to her forever she's so interesting i loved asking her questions i loved hearing her perspective she has just so much life experience she's tried all these different things she's been in all these different hats and careers and positions and i think that's really valuable and it just makes her very very pleasant to talk to because she has a lot to say and a lot of experience and she's very very smart i love hearing her perspective and thoughts and i would love to talk to you again soon juniper thank you thanks for listening everybody